You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians, please, chapter 1. Um, 2019. Looking back, I'm sure we'd look back and go, gee, those were good days. <laughs> Regardless of what we were facing in 2019 compared to what we've gone through, they were pretty good days. But in November of 2019, I was preaching in Toronto, Canada. And I really felt God challenged me and stir me that we as God's people need to get back to praying, prayer and praying. Now that's a simple truth and a well-known take. I mean, we all know we're called to pray, but it kind of felt like the church had got busy doing her thing without God. And it's almost like God was reminding us we need to come back to prayer. Someone said prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. And so when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, we need to come back to we are weak. He is strong. We as weak people need to lean more on him in his omnipotence. And so I began to preach more. And in Toronto, I was preaching at one of our equips about this amazing truth of how we need to be better and we need to keep praying and and after that meeting, uh, we went home, I was an equipment that night, one of my friends had a dream, and many of you would know the guy, his name's uh, Ken Grenfell, if you know him, he's on our team, he lives in Virginia, and uh, he's a prophetic guy. He had a dream, now, I'm just going to tell you, when prophetic people have dreams, I get nervous, I get freaked out, <laughs> just telling you, even though they're on my team, they still freak me out, and so... The next morning, he came to me and he said, Tyler, I had a dream. I'm like, oh, here we go. And he said, I, I said, okay, well, what was the dream? And he said, well, I, dreamt, I had this dream that I was driving a vehicle. He was driving this vehicle that was full of people. And he was driving it to an NCMI, who's the name of the team that we partner with. NCMI was hosting a prayer meeting and he was driving a, a vehicle full of people to a prayer meeting. And he pulled up to the prayer meeting and he dropped everybody off at their prayer meeting. And then he went back and parked his vehicle, got out of his vehicle, began to walk towards the prayer meeting. And then he realized that he had forgot his Bible and his notes in his vehicle. So he went back to the vehicle only to find that the vehicle was gone. And so he began walking back to the prayer meeting and in the gutter he saw his Bible. And then we all came out of the prayer meeting and said, where you been? You missed the prayer meeting. And he woke up and this was 2019, pre-COVID, pre, we heard anything about COVID. Nothing was even spoken of. November 2019. And he came up to me and he said, this is what I believe my dream means. He said, the vehicle that I was driving represents the church and ministry, and it was taken, it disappeared. And he said, and what I believe God is saying is that what's most important going forward is prayer, because I was on my way to a prayer meeting, and the Word of God, because I only found my Bible in the parking lot, not my notes that I was really unhappy about, because I lost the, my notes that I was preaching from. Going forward, it's requiring prayer and only the Word of God. Now, I want to just tell you, forgive my ignorance, took me a year and a half to think about the vehicle disappearing. 
And in 2021, I began to think, gee, God, you did tell us something was happening. You did. And for a season, for a moment around the world, the way we did ministry globally as the church disappeared for a minute. We were not allowed to gather anywhere in the world. And we were not able to have ministry like we've always known it. It was gone. And so I phoned Ken and I said, Ken, did you know that COVID was coming? He said, of course not. I never knew that. But I woke up and realized they're going forward, friends. Maybe I'm too late to the party of realizing God warned us things will disappear. What I do know is he warned us what it's going to require going forward is the word of God only and pray. And so I say that to you this morning. To say going forward, it requires us to keep coming back to the Word of God, not some great ideas, great stories, great history lessons. It's the Word of God only that is what we need to be looking at if we're going to stay true to whatever lies next for us as a people. And I know you would all agree, I'm sure you would all agree, because of course it's about the Word, it's about prayer. But here's what often happens is we forget the Word of God actually reveals the purpose of God. God's word is about God's purpose. It's not all about us. It's all about his purpose. The promises of God in scripture are about reminding us the plans and purposes of God. And so the thing I want to say to you this morning is we don't have the right to claim the promises of God if we don't link them to the purposes of God. And I know it's contrary to what we hear from many pulpits today, but God didn't give us a Bible as a book of promises for us. He revealed through His Word, His heart, His mission, His purpose, and linked to that their promises if we're walking in the purpose and the plans of God. And so it's into that context why I want to share from Scripture this morning, looking at what it means to be a people, a church that God favors. You see, I love Jesus and I love his church. But I want to tell you that you can love the church and not love Jesus. But you cannot love Jesus and not love his people, his church. And I'm going to say to you this morning that Jesus... I mean, the church is not the center of God's plan. We are not the center of it all. Jesus is the center of God's plan. However, we God's people are central to God's plan. He's the center of it. We are central to it. It's always about Him. The church, I believe, is not a people. The church is not about people. That might offend some this morning, but we need to hear this. The church is not about people. The church is a people who are about Jesus. Does it make sense? If we're about us, then it's all about us. If we're about Him, then it's all about Him. We exist for Him, His plans, and His purposes. And so while I want to speak around the church and being a church that God favors, I don't want to make us the center of it. I want to bring Jesus to the center of it all. But keep us understanding, we got a major part to play in this. As God uses us, and you have been used as an amazing church in, a, in your history. But the good news is God wants to keep using this church to f f function in what God has for you. And so I do believe this is a church that God highly favors. Not because you're special, not because you, he just favors. There's a favor of God about, amongst you, friends. And, he, and I want to just talk about staying in that favor. 
You can't earn the favor of God. How many of you know that? If you can earn it, let me tell you, it's no longer favor. It's earned. So you can't earn. I'm not giving you how to earn it. I'm saying how to stay in that place from Scripture, from a church we could see from Scripture that is favored by God, was favored by God. But let me tell you about favor for a moment. And, and let me just say this. Favor, God's favor does not always look like we think it looks. <laughs> a lot of people ask for favor with God. And they turn around expecting favors from God. And I've heard people preach on favor. And it's about ask God, He's going to favor you and He gives you favors. That's not favor, friends. There's a big difference between the two. God's favor is, I believe, the guarantee of His presence and the provision of His power to accomplish His purpose in and through His people. The guarantee of His presence and the provision of His power to accomplish His purpose in and through our lives. It's intended not for our convenience, but for His purpose. And it doesn't mean your life gets any easier. In actual fact, almost certainly guarantees <laughs> that your life is going to get harder. It's an incredible thing to be trusted with the favor of God. But with it comes an expectation to serve the plans the purposes of God. And I believe this church that we're reading of, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, is and was a church that's in Scripture. I'm going to the Word of God because I want to be true to what He told us, His Word and prayer. Looking at this example of this church, just a couple of things from this, that I believe was a favored church. And what did they focus on? What does it mean to focus on the right things to continue to walk in the favor of God. And there's a few things Paul writes to this church that reminds us this morning as a local church, as Restoration LA, to keep on contending for these things because when you focus on these things, God seems to give you the blessing and the favor that He's promised you. But when you veer off to your thing and our thing and what others want and what the culture wants and what you want and what the church wants and what the nation wants and what our government, we begin to lose the very thing God put us here to do. And we become something God's not intended us to be. So let's read together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. Here's prayer. You see that? We continue to remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith. Now let's just stop for a moment. A church that God favors is a church that operates in faith, by faith. What I feel like in this season is that fear rises in the absence of faith. It does seem, if we're honest, Many of people in our nation and around the world, and certainly can I suggest, even in the church, we've been gripped by fear because of the season we've gone through. And I understand it because I've gone through that season also. I've lost family members through COVID, who died from COVID. I'm not playing the game. I'm not getting on, are you a vax, anti-vax? That's irrelevant. This thing's real and it's shaken the core of the world including us in this room this morning. And here's what I've realized. Faith, 
Fear rises when there is no faith. And faith, can I just say to you this morning, is not a feeling. Faith is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. But we're called to live and operate in faith, not in fear, friends. And so whatever that means for you, but we've got to come back to stepping out in faith. And I believe it's a season of faith and not just faith to believe. How many of you know it's one thing to believe, it's another thing to do. And I know many people, I believe and I believe, but God wants us to believe enough to actually do because faith is not just a belief. Faith is an action. It's a verb. It's doing. And so Paul writes to this church and you've got to understand the church that we're reading of this morning was birthed in persecution. It was a church that was birthed when it wasn't a convenient time. It was the wrong time. It wasn't people welcoming them. They were persecuted. They were beaten up. They were imprisoned. People hated them. And into that context, God puts a lampstand to reach those people. Many people say to me, if only we lived in Bible days. No, friend. Bible days were harder than our days. If you think a COVID was bad, or this season's been bad, what they faced, they were in prison for doing what we're doing right now. They were put in jail. They were persecuted, locked up, locked down. They weren't just locked down. They were locked up. And so I want us to just see that in the context of what we're reading. Not gee, they had it easy. They had it more difficult than us. But God's not about convenience. God's about stepping out in my timing, doing what I called you to do. And Paul writes to them and he says, I, I, I continue to remember before I got in Father, your work produced by faith. Then he says, your labor prompted by love. Now, I just want to stop and say, it would seem over this crazy season, we didn't express love for one another. I'm sorry I'm being honest. We took each other out. I watched people, Christians taking Christians out and saying stuff. And again, I'm not trying to be that guy, but social media is a cesspool of hate and hate and dislike and unfollow and defollow and devalue and hate you and not talking to you. Christians, people, followers of Jesus, writing each other off because of opinions and elections and vaccines. And, and I'm just telling you, those are real things, but we got in the mud and the mess and we didn't Produce love. And I don't know what's next, but this I know. How about we've learned some lessons through the season where we learn to love each other even if we disagree with each other. It's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to act like the world to one another. I, I, I want to just tell you, I, I've had people leave, despise me. Dis- I stayed off social media. Why? Because social media has become a cesspool of hate. And I'm not telling you you have to stay off it, but I'm saying stop posting. I'll tell you what you should do is pray before you post and watch what happens. You'll pay, post a lot less. You'll pray a lot more. I've stopped posting because I can't weigh in on every cultural clash. I've got to stick to the plan God's called and to love all God's people. And as the church, we need to show love more and more. I've often said this and I know people get offended, but social media might not have enabled the lame to walk, but it's helped the dumb to speak. And we got to come back to just being kind to one another. Is that okay, friend? I'm not saying turn over, lay I'm just saying let's love God's people. Let's love each other who are different. Let's put our opinions aside and let's love. All right, that's probably got me in trouble. Let's move on. I read this and say this is what he's talking about. These guys had every reason to hate each other, be mad at each other. But he said, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. 
and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Endurance. How many people have fallen away through this season? Fallen away from church, fallen away from God, fallen away out of, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm simply saying, why is that? Perhaps their faith was in something or someone other than the only one being Jesus Christ. See, shaking reveals what we are anchored to. And when we go through a shaking, what we realize is we have our faith in the wrong things. And so the first thing I want to say here that we can get from this local church, that we understand that God highly favors the people, number one, who prioritize Jesus Christ in all things. Now, I know you know this, and I know this is a church who's on that mission, but it doesn't guarantee, friends, that we're going to walk in those things. It doesn't guarantee that we're living in those things because it's someone's heart. It's got to be all of our hearts. I love how Paul doesn't say that your endurance was inspired by your hope and faith in me as the leader. Paul wasn't saying it had anything to do with him. Paul planted that church. He was part of that church, but he wasn't writing to them saying, I'm so glad you have your faith in me. He said, your faith and your endurance inspired by your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning, honestly, how do you endure? How do you stay motivated? How do you stay inspired? Where does your hope truly come from? And here's the deal. If it's not Jesus, you've got no chance of finishing the race God's called you to. And you cannot walk in what God has for you as a people. We sang this song this morning in Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You've all changed since I last saw you two years ago. And many of you I've never seen before. I've changed. I've got better looking. Most of you have got older looking and that's fine. We are changing. You're changing. LA's changed. My goodness, this place has changed in the last two years. It really has. It's striking how different it is. And it's not, wow, what happened? Everything is changing. Everything will change. And the Bible says the only one who doesn't change, cannot change, is Jesus. So if we're going to anchor ourselves and contend through all seasons and be the people God's called us to be and walk in the favor, we best take our anchor and make sure it's in only one who never changes, and that's Jesus Christ. Because honestly, everything else is changing, will change, must change. And if Jesus could change, he would cease to be Jesus because he would not be perfect. Because right now he is perfect. And I'm preaching to the mostly converted this morning, but I'm challenging you as a local church going forward. Priority, numero uno, always Christ first in everything. Always Christ, only Christ, because without that revelation, you have nothing else. We're going to keep coming back to the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of America. We're going to keep coming back to the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of the church. We can't make Jesus who we want Him to be. He's got to be who He is and we fit around Him and we become more like Him. He's not becoming more like us. Colossians chapter 1 tells us that in all things, Jesus has been given first place, preeminence, numero uno, first in everything. He has first place. The challenge for us is, are we keeping Him first place in our lives and in our ministries and who we are? Jesus is prominent or He's preeminent. Which one is He? He needs to be preeminent, not prominent. He doesn't have a place. He has first place. 
One of our friends preached in Chicago at the Equip. If any of you that are James um, Lusk, thank you. He did such a great job. He, he, and he said this, Jesus is either ornamental or fundamental in your life. Think about that. If he's ornamental, we move him around to fit around us. If he's fundamental, we move around to fit around him. And I would challenge that many people today in the church have Jesus as ornamental. We add him to what we're doing rather than we fit around him. Christmas, we just celebrated Christmas. Some of you still got your Christmas trees up. You need to take them down, just so you know. But if you still have, you've got your ornaments, you choose where those ornaments go. Many people choose where Jesus fits. We need to fit around Jesus, not Jesus fitting around us. It's a guaranteed anchor for us, friend. Without that, we've got nothing. I keep saying the main thing is to keep the main one the main thing. That's it. It's a person that's the main thing. Not the main thing is not ministry or what we're doing or my marriage. Jesus first in everything. I've often thought about what would Jesus look like today. You know, Jesus is the head of this church. You know that, right? I hope you know that. Jody's not. I'm not. Jesus is. You're not. He's the head of the church. He's also the heart of, heart of the church. He's also the hope. Paul said, Christ in us is the hope of glory. We're not the hope of glory. Christ in us is the hope of glory. So he's the head of this church. He's the heart of this church. He's the hope of this church. You know what we are? Hands and feet. And just so you know, your hands and feet never tell your head what to do. Your head always tells your hands and feet what to do. Watch this, I'm going to move my left hand. Impressive, right? <laughs> do you know that my head told my hand to do that? My hand didn't say, head, move. Why? I'm trying to make a simple point. We're too busy telling him what to do when actually we're here to do what he's called us to do. The prayer of St. Patrick said this, May Christ shield me today. Christ with me. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit, Christ when I stand, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me, Christ in it all. He prayed that every day. I've began to pray that more and more for my life. When people think of me, Christ. When they hear about me, Christ. When they oppose me, Christ. That's got to be the testimony of this church. That's got to be the testimony. People think of Jesus when they think of you. And I'm telling you, friend, that's a church that God favors if Christ is involved in everything. The second thing, quickly, verse 4, 4. He says, for we know brothers, can I say and sisters, loved by God that he has chosen you. You're probably sitting here this morning saying, well, why us? I don't know why you, but he chose you. It's not earned, it's not deserved. Paul writes to that church and he says that you are loved and chosen. You've got to understand this, my friend, you are loved by God. I've said this from this pulpit, I'm sure, many times before, that if you were the only person, if there was one person sitting here this morning, and you're the only person in the whole planet, Jesus would have come just for you. 
He didn't just come for the masses. He came for every individual. It's unearned. It's undeserving. But he loves you enough to have died just for you. You matter to him. You're loved by Him, not because you're here this morning, not because you came to church this morning, not because you pray, not because you're good, not because you're bad. You're loved. And he, Paul writes, he says, you're loved and you're chosen. Not just loved. It's one thing to be loved, but you're also chosen by God. And I want to just tell you, you've got to understand your position. It's very hard to carry God's favor and give God's favor if you haven't understood you're loved and chosen by God, period. And you are, friend, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of who you married to, didn't marry, if you've left your, I I don't know. I don't want to be insensitive to your situation. I'm just telling you, God loves you so much. And he's chose you. What will you do with that? Apologize or walk in what he's called you to walk in? I'm undeserving, absolutely. But he loves me and chose me. And I don't know what to do with that except I want to be faithful in it. That's it. It's unconditional. It's unchanging. Therapeutic Christianity says, I am valuable so God loves me. Biblical Christianity, are you ready? I am valuable because God loves me. Big difference. Verse 5, let's read on. He said, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. He says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. And so the first thing that we need to contend for is our priority being Jesus Christ. Secondly, keep on understanding your position. If you fail, stand up, step up, be loved by God. He loves you, not because you fail or good, just because He loves you. Live in that understanding, but with that love comes He's chosen you. So walk in what He's called you to walk in. Thirdly, power. Holy Spirit power. Are you there? Now, I know that that's for some people really freaky and for others it's like, yeah, bring it on. But I'm just telling you, a favored people understand the power they've been given. Yeah, God's not looking for the church to be more fleshy. God wants the church to represent Him better and it's through His presence and through His power. I think the greatest threat to the Word of God, friends, is not necessarily those who oppose it. There are many in our nation now who oppose God's Word. They're not a threat to God's Word. There's a greater threat to God's Word. Those who claim to believe it, but who are ignorant to what it really says, that's a greater threat to God's Word. And a lot of people claim to believe, uh, to, to believe God's Word, but they don't know what it actually says. And can I say, when it comes to stuff about the Holy Spirit, it would seem the church today in our great nation is ignorant to what God has to say about the Holy Spirit. We need His power. Christian Post in September 2021. So like not even two years ago. You're in a, this is what the title was. Most adult Christians don't believe. Most, sorry, adult U.S. Christians don't believe the Holy Spirit is real. A new study from Arizona Christian University shows that of an estimated 176 million American adults who identify as Christians... 6% or 15 million of them actually hold a biblical worldview. The survey included a, nation, a nationally represented a sample of 2,000 adults. 
The study shows, hear this, that while a majority of American self-identified Christians believe that God is all-powerful, He's all-knowing, He's the creator of the universe, more than half reject the existence of the Holy Spirit. They believe God's all-powerful, all-knowing, but the Holy Spirit, more than half, are Christians in our nation reject that the Holy Spirit even exists. <laughs> How many of you know we have a problem? Now here's the thing, friend. If, if you are seated here this morning and you're one of those statistics and you say, Tyrant, what does it matter? Because the Holy Spirit's simply a blessing from God. I'm going to tell you, you're wrong on your understanding who the Holy Spirit is. Too many present the Holy Spirit as a blessing from God. And if He's a blessing from God, then we get to reject that blessing if we don't want it. But my Bible, because I don't want to be ignorant to what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, my Bible does not say that the Holy Spirit is a blessing from God. You know what the Bible actually says? That the Holy Spirit is God. Now we have a problem because if we reject the existence of the Holy Spirit, we're rejecting God Himself. <laughs> I'm not trying to convince anyone here this morning. I'm asking you to go back to Scripture and see what God Himself says about God the Holy Spirit because that's the best teaching, the right teaching, and that's what we're going to come back to. And it's not up to our pastors and our leaders to tell us. It's up to us as individuals to go study the Scripture and know this, when you open the Word of God, it's the only author who's with you when you read His book. And He will show. When you open your Word, He opens His mouth. If you're going to get an understanding of the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit teach you from Scripture about the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, friends, we need more of His presence and His power. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Who was He speaking to? He was speaking to King Cyrus, and He said, it's not the might of your people. And I still think today, we say, how many people do we have in a church, in our church? That determines our power. He's saying, it's not by the might of your people. You can have trillions of people, billions of people, millions of people. It's never going to be by the might of your people. Then he said, it's not by power, not by the position you carry as king. King Cyrus, your position does not give you the ability to do what you're called to. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Not a spirit. Can I even say not the spirit? I'm saying his spirit. <laughs> it seems today, friend, that the church is captivated by the spirit of this age rather than by the spirit of Christ. That's why we've got to come back to his spirit, not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Are you good? Are you okay? Philip Yancey said this. He said, a society that denies the supernatural usually ends up elevating the natural to supernatural status. If we don't believe in the supernatural, we take natural and put it there. As super, and we've done that. And, and while it's in our nation, it's also in the church. If we deny the supernatural, we begin to look at people, gifts, ministries, and we put them where only God can be. And then we go through shakings like we do, and the church shuts down. The show is over, and the people are gone. 
And we try and put the show on and they're gone. Why? Because they're linked to the show. They weren't linked to him, the, the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And that's why you, my dear friends, and me, have to make room again in our lives and in our ministries and in this church for the true evidence of power that comes from God alone because uh, uh, LA needs demonstration of power like never. This is a sick nation, a sick society, and it's not their fault. It's because everything is getting worse, but we have the ability to bring life, to speak life, to speak it over there, to bring healing and wholeness. God's given us that power. Not the preachers, his, his followers. But we've got to come back to a biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. We don't have the right to reject and not make room for the Holy Spirit. Because He's not an optional extra for deluxe Christians. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And we've got to preach the, the Trinity again. And I know that's freaky out. And I, Someone said, if you try and preach the Trinity, you lose your mind. But if you don't preach the Trinity, you lose your soul. I'd rather lose my mind trying to explain it than lose my soul not explaining it. So I want to tell you, we don't believe in three gods. We believe one God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And while the word Trinity is not in the Bible, the truth of the three persons of God is evident from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between. They equal, they have different roles, but they are equal. And they're not want to be and many God and trying to be God. And they know their roles. And we've got to make room for all three. The best way I can explain it is I'm one person, believe it or not. But I'm a father, I'm a son, and I'm a husband. Same person, three different roles and responsibility. Now that's weak, I'm sorry, but it's the best I have. But I'm telling you, friends, we've got to do something. We can't reject or ignore. We're going to miss what God's called us to as a local church. And you'll never walk with the favor of God if you're not walking in the power He's already given you. And it doesn't have to be here. It's got to be here, demonstrated through us. The early church was spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-sent. Spirit filled, led, sent, moved by the Spirit. Can I just say, we don't need friends to activate the Holy Spirit. If we understand He's God, can you imagine me telling God, I'm going to activate you now, God? We don't need to invite Him. He doesn't need an invitation. My Bible says He's here right now. Do you know what we need to do? Honor Him. And you might be in this room and say, Chitara, I, I want the spiritual stuff, but I'm not sure about the supernatural, the kind of the, uh, the unusual that comes with it. And I get that. But it's kind of like saying, I want to swim, but I don't want to get wet. You're going to get wet if you go swimming. And there's unusual because it's God. We're not looking for the weird and the freaky. We just want authenticity and real. And I'm telling you, friends, God wants to give more of that in His church, through His church, through us in this room this morning as a favored people. Let's read on verse 6, I'm landing. He says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with a joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You became a pattern, a model. Why is it that we always have to read the book of Acts and go, gee, if only we could be there. If only we could live there. Why can't we take what the book of Acts was living in and begin to see it lived out in our day through people in this room? Like, why do we always have to go back to the Bible? Why don't we look at the Bible and say, that was then, this is now. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus in 2023 in the United States of America in Los Angeles. Look at Restoration LA. They're not perfect, but they're a pattern of what it means to be what we see in the early church. 
I'm about to offend offend you, and here's what I want to say. Be it. Don't just talk about it. One thing we need in America, more than Christian books, more than Christian movies, more than Christian music, more than Christian media, more than Christian governments, more than Christian politicians, more than Christian schools, more than Christian, more than all that. We just need Christian Christians. We don't need another, I mean, I, I get in trouble. If you look into the White House, you're in trouble. If you look into your state government, you're in trouble. If you look into your schools, you're in trouble. Chris, those are helpful, but they can never take the place of us being who God's called us to be. It's easier to say they need to. No, God says you need to. Just be it. And I know it's in your heart this morning, but I'm saying God favors the people who will just be it. Be a pattern. Let people around you look and say, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus today. And wow, it lines up with the book of Acts. Rather than the book of Acts tells us, but we're not seeing it. Be it. Paul said, you became, not the model, a model to all believers. Verse 8. It says, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. This is proclamation. The Lord's message rang out from you. God favors a people where the message is not held, where this message rings out. The early church functioned like the lifeboat, a lifeboat. I think the church today is functioning like the love boat. Think about that. I'm not trying, I know some of what I'm saying is like, this is harsh. It's not harsh. We just need to wake up to what God's called us. The love boat. Have you ever watched that silly show that, oh my gosh. I mean, it's a long time ago, I realized. But it, love boat's all about what's on it for me. What's in the boat for me? Like, look, make me feel comfortable. We are a rescue boat, not a lifeboat. It's the whole business, Charles Spurgeon said, it's the whole business of the whole church to get the whole gospel to the whole world. He also said every Christian is either a missionary or, or an imposter. He said this, he's dead, I'm blaming him. He said, you're either trying to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you don't love him at all. Cannot be that there's a high appreciation of Jesus and totally silent tongue about him. He who says he believes in Jesus but doesn't think high enough of Jesus ever to tell another person about him is an imposter. Now, I don't want to be an imposter. But I think there are many imposters who are just silent, quiet. My walk is private between me and the Lord. It's not. It's a public display of the goodness of God in your life that people need to know about. They need to see you and I living it. And the message doesn't take place here on Sunday. It's from here we go be the church. I hope that's still in your heart. Some of us will, yeah, but like St. Francis of Assisi said, you know, preach the word and if necessary, use words. Now, I know what he's saying, but I'm going to tell you, biblically, he's wrong to just say that. It's kind of like saying, hey, we're going to go feed the hungry this afternoon, and buy, if necessary, we're going to give them some food. How many hungry people need food? How many lost people need the good news to be spoken and declared, not just demonstrated and hope people ask us? Now, I know what he was saying, that we're not living what we preach, but we've been called to declare the good news. And there's so much... Bad news everywhere. We have the good news. Declare the good news. There are hungry people in our cities waiting for the good news. 
Therefore, let's read on. I'm landing this is my last point. He says, Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Verse 9. For they themselves report that kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. A favored people focus on a biblical perspective and understanding that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And you know, the one good thing that came out of COVID was that people began to think about, we could die. Suddenly, we are not immortal. But to be honest, it's kind of, mm, we move on again. And it's all about the now. It's all about what we're involved in. And, and I'm just going to tell you, the early church believed in Jesus, in their lifetime, Jesus was coming back. And he didn't come back in their lifetime, but look how they lived and the impact they had. I'm saying to you, I believe Jesus is coming back very soon. If I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. If I'm right, oh, it matters. I believe he's coming back while I'm alive. I believe while I'm preaching one day, he's going to come back. If I'm wrong, so what? But can you imagine I'm going to be faithful in what I'm preaching, knowing he could return right now. And I think we need that eternal perspective day in and day out. Not on Sundays, not when we're reminded day in and day out. These guys believed Jesus was coming back and look at the impact they had. They waited eagerly, not in anticipation and hiding, but in stepping in and getting on with the job. Living faithfully daily with in, uh, in purpose and intent because Jesus could come back anytime. Eternity, Jesus is coming back. Eternity is forever and it's not to make us fearful it's to give us perspective of eternity again because we get so caught up in this world in this stuff that's real for us but don't lose the prize of eternity God's put in your heart if you've jacked things up God will fix you today so you can get on with eternity again if you stumble don't give up step up you've got eternity you live for this life is this short forever the ramifications are there See, as Lewis said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. He also said, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. You cannot confess that this world is not your home, yet are not willing to give up the keys to your house. What we do in this life always echoes into the next. This life is the dress rehearsal for the life that matters most. Don't get caught up in this at the expense of that. And for too long we've said this, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? And that's a good question. But I want to say this to those of you who are believers this morning. If you're to wake up tomorrow, which is probably more likely, what or who would you live for? That is as important as if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? If you wake up tomorrow as a believer, who or what will you live for? 
God favors a people who live every day for him, expecting the return of Christ and reaching the people around us. Can we pray together? Can you close your eyes? Is that okay, Jody? Just close your eyes for a moment. We're not getting all spiritual or inward. I just want to give a moment before I hand the meeting back to Jody. There's many of you in the room I don't know. And so I don't know if you all actually know Jesus Christ, but who am I to speak on these things and not at least give you an opportunity to meet Jesus? And I want to ask you to be brave this morning. If you don't know Jesus, I'm not saying do you know about him. If you're not walking with Jesus, you have an opportunity right now for me to introduce him to you. I don't care what your past carries, nor does he. He came to take care of it all. But it requires a surrender and a submitting. If you say, I don't know Jesus here this morning. I've heard about him. I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm asking, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you say no, would you just put your hand up? No one's looking around. I just want to introduce you to Jesus. Is there anyone here that would say, thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. This is not questioning your salvation. This is you setting it. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? All right, there's a couple of hands that I've seen. I'm going to ask those hands who've gone up. Would you just say this in your heart after me? Say this. Don't say it because I'm saying it. Say it because you mean it. But speak to God. Would you just say, Father, thank you this morning that you revealed Jesus to me. I'm a sinner and I am in desperate need for a Savior. And I believe, Jesus, you are the Savior. I believe you did die on the cross for my sin. And I believe you've been raised from the dead. And I believe that. And only that, because of that, can I be saved this morning. So come and be my Lord and my Savior. And I turn from my sins and from my ways and I turn to follow you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me this morning. Thank you today I've become a child of God. Thank you today is the day I've settled this and I never have to do this again. It's settled for eternity. And Holy Spirit, would you fill me now as I yield to you so I can walk in all that you have for me all the days of my life. Thank you that I don't have to do this again. It's done. And now let me walk as a follower of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray for this church, these people in this room, all in different walks, all different understandings. But Lord, I pray you continue to favor this church, these people, as they pursue what you've called them to. Would you give fresh courage, fresh revelation, greater understanding, more of your evident power in our lives and ministries. And may we literally see the city, nation, and nations turned upside down because of what you're doing in and through us as we stay true to the call. Bless these men and women, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Awesome. Amazing word. Thank you so much for that encouragement, Tyron. Yeah, let's give Jesus praise. So good. Listen, if, if you made a decision 
to ask Christ to be your Savior today. We would really like to know that and and be in partnership with you. And so um, a few of us leaders will, will be up here after service, and we would just like to know about the decision that you made. Um, and, and honestly, it's because we believe that as a church, we are meant to do life together and to uh, be on this journey to follow Jesus together. And so if you've made that decision and we can be a part of that, we would love to, to do that. So please let us know. Also, if you're a visitor this morning, we have some visitor cards that are tucked into the seats right in front of you. We would like to get to know who you are and we, we won't bug you or, or ask you for money, I promise. We just truly want to be in connection with you. We believe in a relational style of leadership and, and community and so we would love to be in contact with you and get to know you and um, see how we can serve you as a church. And so we wanna thank you for being here. And yeah, that's amazing. So Tyron and Nicole, Thank you guys so much for this entire weekend. <clears throat> You've given us so much to, to process and to work through. And thank you for the equipping. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the challenge. It's, it's, uh, it's always amazing. It's, uh, it's truly in line with what the Holy Spirit has been talking to our eldership about and, and where we want to be going and what we believe God's calling us to. So thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, um, awesome. It's been a good Sunday, huh? All right. Hey, don't forget to give somebody some love today. Uh, connect with people. And uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, a, a wonderful, amazing year, I believe, in God. I think God is calling us to some good stuff. And so uh, we love you guys. Have an amazing week. Uh, Tyron got you guys out of here early today, so you guys can thank him. Um, so hey, be blessed. Don't forget to check your kids out. Um, the kids will stay at the top of the stairs, and they just need to be uh, released from, from parents. And uh, outside of that, uh, hey, we'll see you guys soon. God bless you guys. See you soon.